following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. So we was just like, I would call, I remember I would call retailers like Kroger and Target and say, we've got this awesome development coming up. And it was literally me sitting in like this tiny little box inside of the, the house that I rented on Craigslist. But uh, yeah, we it was oh, yeah. basically me. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. And taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. Today we have Dan Katz on over Skype. He's the CEO and founder of No Cow, a company that makes bars, butters, and cookies that are non-dairy, low in sugar, and high in protein. Dan, hello. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well. Where where am I finding you right now? I am actually back home in Denver for a couple of days, believe it or not. You live in Denver? Correct. So I, I grew up, born and raised in Cincinnati, did a little bit of time in Los Angeles, and I am now in Denver. You're now in Denver. What was the decision to come to – is that where you run your you run your business out of Denver? Correct. So we have two offices at NoCal. We have our main headquarters in Denver, which is kind of like all of our marketing, brand building type of stuff. And in New York, we have uh, Chris, who's our new CEO, and um, a lot of back office operations, finance type of stuff out what, there. What was the decision to go to Denver? Is it because you're sort of outdoorsy? Yeah, you know, it, it really wasn't necessarily just a personal uh, decision. It was more so what's best for the brands. And when you look at a place like Denver and you see, I mean, just how healthy it is out here. I mean, I remember the first time I came out, um, yeah. you know, being born and raised in Ohio and seeing a bunch of people just running for no reason. You know, instead of driving cars, just running and biking. Um, it really fits the brand really well. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we wanted our brand to be in a place where, uh, one, we could attract awesome talent because who doesn't want to live in Denver? Um, and two, we could, we could find people who, um, who really just kind of fit that, that family, that lifestyle that we look for at NoCal. Well, you let's go back into your own life because uh, you are one of those stories where it, it was pretty early on that your parents, that you detected that you had the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, when did it uh, describe the first memory you have when, when you realized that you had a talent for entrepreneurship? Uh, so, yeah, you know, for me, it started at a very, very early age. Um, you know, I was always the type of person that was trying to find a better way. So, you know, when I was younger, five, six years old, I remember always going to my dad and saying, um, you know, what if there was a better way? What if we could do this? What if that? Um, and always came up with these so-called inventions to kind of help, you know, when you, when you define invention in the dictionary, it, it basically says anything created to make someone's life easier. In reading about you, it sounds like you were on Craigslist as like a 10-year-old selling – what were you selling? Yeah, so <laughs> I would uh, I would sell cell phones and and kind of trade them, resell them. Any birthday gifts I got from my parents or family or friends, I would turn around and sell it the next day on eBay or Craigslist. Um, you know, I always had this vision of of kind of communicating with people much older and wiser than I was, and surrounding myself with those type of people. So. 
yeah, you know, it was, uh, I believe it was 11 or 12 years old. I got my first cell phone. It was kind of this crappy little flip phone, the cheapest one they had on the market. But at the time there was this phone called the Blackberry Storm, which was a, uh, it was like the top of the line phone. It was a touchscreen Blackberry. Everybody wanted it. Uh, and I wanted it really bad, but there was one problem. I didn't have any money. Um, so what I did was I went to Craigslist and I realized that people just started trading things, you know, so I, I found that somebody would rather have a crappy flip phone and trade their lower level BlackBerry uh, for free. So I, I would meet with people, I'd trade phones and long story short, I ended up with the BlackBerry Storm without uh, spending a single dollar. What, now, was that a common practice for you to, to hawk your birthday gifts on Craigslist? And, and what was the response from the family? <laughs> it was. You know, I, I kind of was always under the cover uh, or under the radar uh, with all of my business ventures. So, you know, a lot of people didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of hid in my room and would just get online. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my goal was, you know, I, I always felt from an early age that I don't deserve presents or gifts that people get me just for being a normal human. Um, so I would take them and I would sell them and then reinvest that money into something else that I could I could eventually turn around and make more money on. Dan, were you the kind of kid that was like 11 years old, reading the paper with a cup of coffee, kind of annoyed <laughs> that you're like going to gym class with other kids? Were you, were you 11 going on 42? Uh, I'd say that I had an older man trapped inside my body, but um, the reading the newspaper would probably not, uh, not be part of that because I'm not a great reader and I'm pretty sure I read it maybe like a first grade level right now. <laughs> but you were the kid that would bring the lunch with the steamed broccoli – uh, you know, and and the the healthy sides opposed to the grilled cheese, whatever was being dealt out at the cafeteria, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I uh, I've always been very very into health and fitness. I've been an athlete since I was younger, uh, and immediately when I got to high school. I realized that a lot of the sports I was doing were more for social. Uh, they weren't actually to, to get a solid understanding of leadership and, uh, you know, putting on muscle mass and going to the gym. It was more just to talk and hang out with your friends. Um, so as crazy as it sounds, I actually, I quit all my sports my freshman year of high school to focus more on health and fitness and eating healthy and learning all the science behind macronutrients and calories and going to the gym and what exercises I needed to do. Um, How did this ingratiate you with the other freshman students in your, in your uh, Ohio uh, high school when, you, when they said, do you want to come throw the ball around? You said, you know, I've got to, just, I've got to, get, this, um, I've got to get this asparagus just right. <laughs> uh, my freshman year of high school, I decided I wanted to get out of high school as soon as possible. So I, I decided I was going to graduate a year early when I was 16. Um, so I was always just kind of focused on um, doing my own thing. You know, we had a gym at our high school and I, I never liked to go there after school. I would always drive 20 minutes to kind of my own gym and, and kind of be in my own world so that I could really focus on my own personal growth. So how long did you spend in, in college? What, where did you go? What did you do? And because I, I don't think you went for that long, right? Correct. So I, I graduated high school when I was 16. Um, you know, my, my big goal, what I, I really wanted to do was move to a different state, start a company and, and get started with, with my life. Um, you know, as, as terrible as it sounds, my parents forced me to go to college. Um, that's kind of what happens. Uh, you know, they, they wanted me to go to college, get a normal education. Um, I have one parent, my dad, who's very entrepreneurial. He's in the real estate business. And uh, my mom, on the other hand, is is somewhat the opposite in terms of entrepreneurialism. Um, so long story short, I went to Indiana University for approximately three months. I dropped almost every one of my classes the first day of school uh, and sat in my dorm and, and wrote a business plan for a <laughs> beverage concept that I, I came up with. <laughs> 
Were you a kinesiology major or a business major? <laughs> I was a major in trying to get out of college as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Undeclared. Okay. <laughs> so so and then- it was a... It wasn't quite the real college experience that that I had, but um, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I at least had the three months that I had while I was there. Well, I can see your CV here right in front of me, but I mean, did you? What is the conversation like? Because that's what's not on the CV when you tell your parents, "Hey, guys, uh, school's not for me. I'm going to LA because I have a juice idea, and uh, you know, I'll see you when I see you." You know, I, I think that the best part about it is my parents knew from a very early age that I was a little bit different. I'm the middle child, so I have an older and a younger brother. Um, you know, they I don't want to say they got me because, you know, to a certain point, it, it took a very long time to, to get to there. But um, they understood that I was not interested in taking a traditional path of life and that at the end of the day, I was going to do whatever I wanted to do because, you know, I, I knew what was best for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that the difference with that is, you know, I wasn't the type of kid who partied. I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just really focused on doing what I enjoy doing. So, you know, from my parents' perspective, I think that they, they almost had to let me go do what I wanted to do because, you know, it was, it was only positive. Um, it was only me chasing my dreams. And, um, you know, I was just so passionate that I, I just simply wasn't going to take no for an answer. So, um, I, I basically, within a 24-hour notice, um, found a place to live in Los Angeles. It was off of Craigslist. It was in a family's house because I was not yet old enough to sign my own lease. Uh, and bought a plane ticket the next morning, dropped out of school, and uh, and started started a beverage company. So did you get money from your parents to get this off the ground? Um, I did have help from my parents, for example, on the first production run to finance that of, uh, of both the beverage company and, and NoCal. Um, you know, they, they were not hesitant at all because they knew that, that I was going to do everything in my power to make sure I paid them back. All right. So we're going to get into NoCal, but what did you learn from this experience? Like ultimately summarize what happened in LA for us and, uh, and how that, cause it sent you back. Right. But I, I know you learned a lot. Yeah. You know, I think that a big thing for me is, is I simply just don't fear failure in any way. I look at it as, is almost a motivational boost to, to give me the confidence I need to move on to the next thing. Um, so, you know, if, if we dumb it down, I would consider the beverage concept a big failure. Um, you know, although I, I only had launched it and been working on it for six months before I had to start, I decided to start NoCal. Um, it was like the best experience I could ever imagine. I, uh, I bought a van um, I did a production run. I knew nothing about the CPG, consumer packaged goods industry at all. Uh, I didn't know what a margin was. I didn't know what a distributor was. I didn't know how product got from point A to point B. Um, so what I did was I, I did it, you know, the only way I knew, which was, you know, th- not overcomplicating it, but really simplifying the process and saying, if I need to get a beverage into a convenience store, how am I going to do it? Well, I'm going to drive there. I'm going to sell it to them and I'm going to place the product in the store myself. So that's exactly what I did. I mean, it was such a great opportunity to really uh, roll up the sleeves and be hands-on and, and learn the industry, not by, you know, getting my MBA in school, but by actually doing. And, and the response from uh, clerks who see a 17-year-old coming by with a van with a bunch of juice in the back? Mm-hmm. They said, how much money do you have? How much money are you going to pay me to put the product in my store? Um you know, so it, it was difficult. I, I didn't know how any of this worked. And, mm-hmm. you know, my sales pitch was was real simple every time. It was basically, hey, you know, this is a one-of-a-kind product. It's going to be successful. And if you want to be a part of that success, great. If not, I'll move on to the to your neighbor and, and he'll have the product and you won't. Um, so, you know, you, you really just have to, to simplify the process. And, you know, I think a lot of people in that situation would fear that 
Uh, you've got Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper walking in those doors with, you know, obviously a whole lot more money and, and horsepower and resources than you have. But at the end of the day, it's real simple. You create a product that you love, you put it in a retail store and a consumer buys it. Um, you know, so I, I always, you know, still today, simplify everything I do. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to the rate and term in real time? And why can't there be client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Is your company hiring? Okay, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying and crossing your fingers that the right people will see it. So here's the solution. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for. They figure out the people with the right experience, and then they invite them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who use and post a job on ZipRecruiter get quality candidates through the site in just a single day. The right candidates, they are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And so right now, if you're listening to this show, you can use ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and save yourself like a couple hundred bucks. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. Well, uh, now you go back to uh, you go back to live with the parents, right? Mm-hmm. How do they treat you when you get back and where does the idea from no cow come in with no cow which is you know packed with protein low in sugar uh you also have a line of nut butters but we want to get into where did the idea come from and uh and what's that like going back home i guess you're 18 now yeah so kind of i I went back to cincinnati but i did not live with my parents um so i was while i was in los angeles driving you know door to door to all these convenience stores i was i mean working from 5 a.m till 11 o'clock at night um I was very into health and fitness, like I mentioned, and counting every calorie and was reliant on protein bars to get me through the day. So I was eating two to three a day and ended up getting these crazy, crazy stomach aches and could not for the life of me figure out what it was from. Um, so I did my research, you know, with all the the uh, science I did in the past, I, I quickly realized it was a, a dairy sensitivity mm-hmm. and realized that 60% of the world can't digest dairy products. So I'm thinking, great, if 60%, you know, this is a mass problem, I'm just going to walk into a mass grocer, even Mm -hmm. a specialty grocer, and they're going to have the perfect product for me, a dairy-free product that is also low sugar, high protein, you know, a healthy dairy-free option. Right. And to my amazement, there was not anything even remotely close. So, you know, that that was kind of a big turning point and a big aha moment in my mind. Um, I walked into Whole uh, Whole Foods and I saw a 
a tub of, of plant-based protein powder there selling for $70. And that was it. There was no other plant-based protein. It was one brand. I had never heard of plant-based protein. So, you know, back to, to my laptop doing the research I needed to do, uh, and really, really, uh, just having a solid understanding of this stuff called plant-based protein mm. that, uh, based on the research that was done is just as effective as whey protein, but doesn't contain dairy. It's easier on your stomach. So, you know, for me, I saw that as a massive opportunity as an investment in the plant-based space as a whole, not necessarily just the bar category. Uh, you know, obviously the bar category is where I ended up launching just given the, the significant gap on the market, but you know, not just that also a significant gap in my life where I really created the product as something that I needed personally and, and knew that a lot of people would have the same issue and be looking for the same product. So, uh, so yeah, I, I basically, again, within a 24 hour notice, you know, decided to move back to Ohio. The beverage company was so small. We were selling in just a few convenience stores, uh, in LA, you know, it was handwritten invoices, collecting cash. It was a very, you know, I, I wouldn't consider it necessarily a, a full blown company at that point where it was very easy for me to kind of stop stop what I was doing there just because I knew how big this plant-based market was going to be. And I, my dad is in real estate and he had a, uh, a little office space available for lease. So I, I decided to lease the office space from him, set up an air mattress and live in the office and, and create D's naturals, which is now known today as no cow for the next two and a half years in that office space. So you said we had to shut down a uh, shop in California. Who, who's we, did you have a big team there? You know, I, I always, especially in sales, like to make ourselves seem a lot bigger than we actually are. <laughs> so, so we was just like, I would call, I remember I would call retailers like Kroger and Target and say, we've got this awesome development coming up. And it was literally me sitting in like this tiny little box inside of the apartment that I, or the, the house that I rented on Craigslist. Um, but uh, yeah, we was we, basically me. I love it. That's a great tip, actually. I've done that for years. I, I swear. I, I've done that in meetings. I said, we, we really, you know, we're, we're doing great, but we, we'd like to do better. And people just assume that there's like this army of people around you. And they're like, well, I guess there's other people we can trust if this guy doesn't work out. And it's a great thing. It's a confidence <laughs> so, booster. So you'll like this next thing then. Um, so when I, when I moved into the office... Uh, and, and was living there, I knew that I needed to create a product and I knew that I didn't have the resources or money to hire a formulation team. Uh, so what I did was I, I set up an LLC uh, in Ohio at the time uh, so that I could call the largest ingredient suppliers in the country and say, hey, this is Daniel. I'm head of R&D for D's Naturals. We're, pretty, we're a pretty big deal. Uh, if you could just send over as many free ingredients as you can so that we can get working on our next project, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> so that's how I did it. I mean, I, I would call all these large flavor suppliers, sweetener suppliers, ingredient suppliers, and they would send me such a ridiculous amount of samples thinking that we were a large company uh, that I didn't have to pay for. And I could, I could basically tinker around in the kitchen all day and uh, create products using those ingredients. How did you go about experimenting with uh, making the bars? What did you know about that? What was it like? You know, it was difficult. Um, I had to do a lot of research. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, I like to simplify things. I, I looked at all the ingredients that I personally wanted to see in the bar that I as a consumer would eat, and I put them together. And, you know, the challenge was figuring out how you put them together, how they run on a production line, uh, obviously making making rice and yellow pea protein taste good. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there were a lot of challenges, but at the end of the day, you know, me understanding that this concept or this idea was something that I needed to get out there and I needed to do, to do it quick because I wanted to be first to market. Um, I knew that I needed to crank and roll. And, you know, the way that I, I think about business is I'd much rather, uh, you know, and, and when I say this, I don't want to, you know, 
make it feel as though I half-ass things or that, that that's what the company does. But speed is like the number one benefit that small startup companies have is, mm-hmm. is the opportunity, the ability to, to move quickly on things. So I knew that if I, I wanted to make this thing a real success, I needed to launch on a national scale. I needed to put it in front of buyers' hands immediately. Uh, and I needed to get going with production. So, um, you know, yes, I, I did probably 150 prototype samples before I got something that was even remotely close to show to a buyer. Um, but no, I, I didn't take months to do it. You know, that was all done within probably three or four days. Were you testing it with other people? Were you sampling? Were you having taste parties? Or were you the tester? You know, I, I've been very against anything to do with that um, mm-hmm. in terms of kind of these corporate type of uh, C- committee. Yeah, you know, it's. I was all about speed. I was all about creating. You know, at the end of the day, a product for me. I was the consumer, uh, and when you're the consumer, it makes you know determining whether or not this product's ready for market a lot easier. Uh, so I just didn't want to waste my time with all the BS consumer insight groups and and that type of stuff. I just I wanted to get a product out there and I wanted to roll with it. So you're ready to roll. What's the sales pitch like? Are you hiding your age? Are you saying we a lot more? What, what is it like when you get into stores with this bar when you have, I guess it's these Naturals. These Natural was the first iteration, right? Correct. And I don't know if that's narcissism or that I just couldn't come up with another name, but that's how it started. <laughs> I get um, it. You know, D is a nickname for me. Yep. Everybody's called me it since I was a kid. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I cold called every retailer in the country. I had meetings with Target. I mean, like every, every retailer, Kroger. Um, and where I really was focused was in the specialty world, the health and fitness world of GNCs and vitamin shops. Cause at the time, you know, that was the most competitive bar category. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you hadn't even seen a natural product hit that shelf yet, yet alone a plant-based one. Um, so I was really intrigued by the one, the, the value that they could provide, you know, really the target consumer shops there uh, and being able to to target such a large audience on a national scale, knowing that GNC, for example, has 7,000 locations, vitamin shops got 800. Uh, I was really focused there and wanted to prove ourselves there before expanding out into the mass too quickly. Um, so yeah, you know, the, the first meeting I got was with GNC. Um, I, I walked in to Pittsburgh wearing shorts and a t-shirt to seven executives wearing suits and ties in a big boardroom. Yeah. Uh, and I was carrying a plastic baggie of this stuff that I, that I made in my kitchen. And, uh, they said, what do you have? And I said, you know, well, I've got something that's literally going to revolutionize everything you guys are doing, you know, and that's a funny concept now thinking a 17 year old holding a plastic bag of, you know, what appeared to be animal feces, uh, would actually succeed. But, uh, you know, we, we passed it around the table. They all tried it. The first thing that they all said, it was almost like, like they planned on saying this together. I just remember it so clearly was they said, this tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so imagine me standing there, shorts and a t-shirt, all these guys thinking I was going to get a big deal with GNC. And they said, this tastes like shit. But there was a but at the end. They said, but we love the concept and think that plant-based could really be the next big thing. We want you to help us and we want you to, to make this product better and, and create something that, um, that our consumers will buy and ultimately change the category. And so what do they say? What do they offer up then? They said, go back, uh, reformulate it, create a product and bring us a finished product that actually tastes good. Put some pants on, <laughs> put some pants on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so rather than doing that, I went to Vitamin Shop, who is, you know, they're, they're somewhat rivals, but at the same time, you know, the, if GNC does well, Vitamin Shop does well. So they kind of rely on one another. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily intentionally, but I happened to have had a meeting with them as well. And they said, listen, we love the concept. We get that the product doesn't taste great now. I mean, I didn't even have packaging ready to go to show them. Yeah. 
Uh, but they said, if you can deliver the product in 90 days, 90 days, which is, you know, in large corporate terms, like virtually impossible to deliver anything in 90 days, um, we will launch you in 200 stores nationwide with one SKU or one, one flavor of bar. Uh, so I said, oh, that's it, like 90 days. I mean, give me 10 days. We can get it to you, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, so I, I went back. I went to Craigslist again, my, my biggest uh, resource, and I found a graphic designer. He was like 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. Uh, I hired him for two days straight. We sat next to each other, and we created the product packaging right there on the spot. It took literally 24 hours. I found, I cold called every co-packer, contract manufacturer um, that could potentially make the product for us and that potentially had a a formulation team that could help kind of scale it up to a production line type of setting. Uh, and I found one that, you know, was small and able to scale with us. And believe it or not, was, you know, the co-packer that, that we worked with from the first tiny little bar production run to what we're doing today. We still use them. It's a great relationship. Uh, but I delivered the products in, in 90 days to Vitamin Shop. I made it taste better. We had product packaging. We had UPCs, did all the stuff that I needed to, their paperwork. Uh, and I got a call back the next week. And, you know, also keep in mind that I had a 0% marketing budget, which is, I mean, you just, no brand does that. You yeah. don't go into a retailer, especially as a new product with a 0% marketing budget. Um, so I get a call back a week later saying, hey, so I don't really know how to tell you this, but the product is selling so well, we want another flavor. So I sent them another flavor. And then they say, hey, we want another flavor and another flavor and another flavor. And we want to expand you to all of our stores chain wide. And then I got, get a call back from GNC a couple weeks later saying, what the hell? We want your products in our stores, in all of them, fast. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more, sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veritas products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veritas products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash Forbes. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. How are you keeping up with yourself? You're growing so fast. You know, in terms of keeping up with myself, what I like to tell people is you take it day by day. You know, I, I think that so many entrepreneurs today feel uh, the need to kind of plan out this this perfect path for success, write up a, a long, you know, 300-page business plan. But at the end of the day, when you simplify it down to what it is, you're creating a product that people love, that there's a major need for. You're putting it in retailers and partnering with them, and you're selling product. Uh, so for me, you know, it wasn't a matter of me trying to get an education. It wasn't a matter of me trying to, 
you know, see what other companies were doing. Actually, in fact, it was the opposite. It was seeing what other companies aren't doing. Uh, but you take it day by day. And when you don't know something, you learn it. You know, I, I remember being in meetings with big retailers and they would use terms like, uh, what's your GM, like gross margin or not. That's a terrible example. But, you know, acronyms that I just had no idea what they meant. And I I'm the type of person who you know, early on, especially hated asking for help. I liked figuring them out on my own and, and being independent with it. Um, so you just learn, you use context clues, you learn from mistakes, you learn from me having to dump a half a million dollars worth of expired product out last year. That's how you learn. And that's how you get stronger. Um, so yeah. And at this point, are you building relationships with the people that you're finding these freelancers who are kind of like joining your team? Are you finding people that you like and the people that are, are they still with you? You know, as much as I hate to say it, no. Um, you know, for me, uh, this was, again, no experience, first mm -hmm. time doing it, really, you know, at this type of scale. Uh, I was so focused on growing the company, so focused. And this is going to sound very narcissistic, but I felt as though I needed to be in control of everything. Right. I was a micromanager. I felt as though I needed to run sales, marketing, accounting, everything. I was so focused on growing the company, working 18-hour days, seven days a week, living on an air mattress. Literally, I mean, didn't see the light of day for like weeks at a time. I couldn't even talk to my mom on the phone for weeks or even months at a time just because I was so busy and so focused on this. I refused to even take the time to onboard new hires and teach them how to you know, do what I needed help with. I was so focused on growth and speed that I literally would not even spend the time to ramp them up or get them them caught up onto what exactly they were doing. So, you know, that's that's something that I, I constantly am working on. You know, it was a very long, lonely road for the first two and a half years where I was just a bad manager and, and was unable to get a great team behind me and, and was forced to do everything on my own. And was the problem that you didn't want to relinquish control to these people? You know, I think it was a little bit of that, uh, but it was also a little bit of time. You know, when I think about time, it's really our most valuable asset. And, you know, the way I looked at it was I was I was going to bed at 11 o'clock at night, waking up at 2.30 in the morning most days. Uh, so I was almost living, you know, a full two days more per week than the average person and was able to get in, you know, essentially a, a nine-day work week. But since I was so focused on on managing the growth of the business – Part of it was also I literally just didn't want to get off the gas pedal. I didn't want to start hitting the brakes to take the time necessary to hire people, find them, interview them, uh, tell them what we need to do to be successful, catch them up to speed on everything that's happened in the past. I just I was so caught up in my own world that I just wanted to slam on the gas pedal and grow the hell out of this thing and, and didn't want to look back at all. Well, I want to get to where you are now, but, but tell me, when does General Mills come in? Because General Mills... Uh, launched a VC uh, venture capital arm in the fall of 2015 to sort of invest in smaller startups. And I think you were one of those startups, right? Correct. So, uh, you know, for me, it was basically I had been working two and a half years. The company was extremely profitable, you know, obviously given the low overhead. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to set the company up for success right off the bat and, and run it as if, you know, I wanted to hold on to it the rest of my life. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, this you know, wasn't my first company. It's not going to be my last, but it's something that I just had a dying passion to grow to this level that I knew it could get to. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, I, it was still just me. You know, I, I was still living in the office and, you know, the first year it was a, a million dollar company. The second year we were an eight figure a year business. And, you know, I was just sitting there running it by myself with no help, <laughs> no marketing. No, I mean, we were missing so many opportunities for potential growth right. and, uh, to be honest, I, I was getting, I was hitting a wall where I was just, I wasn't having as much fun as I did at the beginning. 
Um, I wasn't enjoying the journey as much as I used to. So what I did was I, I hired an investment banker just to explore opportunities in the market, whether that be to take on an investor, whether that be to sell the company, whatever it may be, um, really to, to get help on the ops side and to get help on, on the hiring process and to help build a team around me, you know, so that this wasn't just a one man D show. It was a, a team process where we could literally all have one goal and, and kind of enjoy the journey together. So, um, you know, I met with General Mills. I met with a private equity firm in Chicago, a small one called 2X Partners. And, you know, we sat at a table together and said, hey, we got to figure out how we're going to work together. Let's do this. And, uh, you know, six months later, after the term sheet came in, after due diligence was finished, we became partners uh, on Valentine's Day of 2017, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, it's been great ever since. At this point, you, I, I'm assuming, have to give a sizable portion of your company over to GM, right? Correct. You know, it was it was the the biggest decision I've made thus far in my life, and you know, it was something I thought long and hard about. I, I knew the potential risks. I mean, typically, with when private equity or or larger strategics come into play, the founder usually you know vanishes from the company or, yeah. or separates, and, and things don't work out great. So, you know, I, I understood the risks, and I. I valued the potential positives a lot more than I did the risks and, you know, was aware of those. So, you know, it makes it hard for me to be able to complain about anything in the future, knowing that, that a lot of these risks are, are still on the table. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we work great together. We've got a really good relationship so far. And, um, you know, I, I figured that the resources that, you know, a company like General Mills and a private equity firm could, could provide to me uh, would be more than valuable. So, you know, it was very tough to, to give up, you know, what I gave up, but um, I was aware of all the risks. How much did you have to give up? Uh, you know, unfortunately, don't disclose that, but, um, you know, it was it was certainly not a, a 5% equity stake that I gave up, yeah. but, um, you know, it was, it was significant enough to, for me to, you know, to really have to spend time to think about this and make sure that, that I didn't want to fully own the company 100% in the future. Do you still have majority ownership? Fortunately, cannot disclose any financial stuff with it, but, <laughs> okay. um, gotcha. but um, it worked out great, and they're they're awesome partners, and um, and we're going to grow the hell out of this thing together. Well, Dan, you talk a little bit about founder syndrome, which is really common. What was that transition like for you? Was it easy, or did it take some time? It was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. You know, you you've got somebody going from running literally every single aspect yeah. of the company um, to us. I mean, we hired. 13, 14 people in like a six, seven month period um, that we didn't have before. So, you know, it, it was very, very difficult. Uh, I think that the, the biggest thing and my biggest goal with NoCow is, is making sure that none of the entrepreneurialism, if that's a word, uh, is taken out of the company. And, and mm -hmm. we're able to maintain the small company size that we are, whether we're a billion dollar a year company or a $10 million a year company, we're always able to resonate with the consumer and, and move at a speed that's fast enough to ultimately give ourselves an advantage against any other company. Uh, so yeah, you know, my, my biggest goal right now is ensuring that we do operate like a small startup that has a limited budget, uh, just because, you know, that mindset is, is what leads to fast growth, not the, you know, 10% compounding year over year growth. You know, we, uh, we want to grow this thing as fast as possible. And ultimately the goal is to put the product in as many people's hands as possible and, and hopefully change the landscape of the dairy free market. How do you keep your entrepreneurial drive behind this product 
and say, okay, streamline in an efficient way that doesn't kill you and involve you sleeping for three hours in a night. The amount of passion that we have from our employees is phenomenal. You know, what I've learned is that not everybody's going to be as motivated as I am maybe, but that's all right. You know, we having 13 or 14 people together working collaboratively is going to be a lot more efficient than having one person who's super driven uh, doing everything. Is there anything you'd like to be doing personally that you're not doing now? Yeah. You know, I, I think that right now, uh, my life certainly has settled a lot. I have an awesome girlfriend who I've had for 10 months, which nice. went on my second, well, yes, yeah, second vacation in four years, which was just a quick little weekend trip, which just felt weird. Um, you know, my heart rate was certainly up the whole time wondering what I was doing. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of adapting to the real world right now. You know, given I was so young when I started this, I, I didn't have communication really with anybody outside of the business. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's a struggle for me. And I, I kind of, to a certain extent, wish that, um, you know, I, I could be back in the game a little bit and, and, uh, work, you know, nine day weeks and, um, and, and really kind of be so motivated about that, that, that nothing else in my life matters, you know, other than awesome, obviously my girlfriend who's probably listening to this, but, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I hope that answers the question, but, but basically just, wanting to be so passionate about something that you're willing to do anything to make sure it happens. Well, Dan, if I ever ha- get a business going off the ground, I'm coming to Denver and I'm going to convince you to join because I think you would make it, uh, I think you'd make it work and, and uh, you'd certainly die trying, which, which <laughs> I, th- I think is the takeaway here. Uh, I'm very impressed and, and it was great to talk to you. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. This was awesome. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. 
One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.